Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And welcome back to your favorite podcast that spent all last week dancing with Baron Zemo. <laughs> Dance party. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a great video. Yeah, Marvel released a one hour <laughs> just loop of Zemo dancing because it is so awkward. The internet went crazy and said, <laughs> release the Zemo cut. <laughs> and Marvel did it. And so, yeah, so we just spent the last week having a dance party with uh, Baron Zemo. <laughs> yes, we did. All right. So this week we were actually going to talk about Epcot, but Disney just dropped so much news this mm-hmm. week. There was a special parks panel. There was news on the opening of Disneyland. So much was going on that we figured we just needed to devote this whole episode to just all the news that came out because this kind of reminds me of a time pre COVID. I was just going to say, it's kind of nice to just, you know, have our regular episode get knocked off because there's so much news. Right. And and it's, and it seems like, you know, as well with the news that, that the theme parks are getting back to quote unquote normal, where we're going to be getting, new attractions, new news. I mean, Universal Studios announced that the Velocicoaster is opening in June. You know, they're opening back up in Hollywood. Disneyland's reopening. And so it just feels like, you know, I know there's a pandemic going on and it is still very serious, but for a minute, you kind of just forget about it. And you're kind of just back in that happy place of of theme park news. And it was a nice reprieve this past week of just all the news that came out. Yes, absolutely. So let's get in with Disneyland. And we'll start with the Disneyland reopening. So we've already touched on this, that Disneyland is going to be reopening at the end of April. But now we have some more information on it. So April 9th, so that has already passed. But if you had a one-day ticket, you could check availability to use that one-day ticket. And you're going to have to use a park pass reservation system, just like they're using at Walt Disney World. Carly Wiesel, who we actually had on the podcast last year, Mm -hmm. she actually pointed this out on her Instagram that they're basically prioritizing people that had single day tickets or multi-day tickets above previous annual pass holders. Because she said as somebody who who had an annual pass, who had it canceled, she didn't have any tickets lying around. Mm. And so annual pass holders have to wait until new ticket sales resume, which is April 15th. Whereas if you have a single day ticket on the 9th, you could have checked for availability. And then on the 12th is when you can actually start making reservations. So they're actually kind of penalizing previous annual pass holders here for making tickets. And maybe that's by design. Maybe they want to get people that had tickets that were maybe out of state. Well, I guess you can't be out of state. You have to yeah, be in exactly. California. Yeah, it's it kind doesn't of really, I was going to say, this just doesn't seem like it was well thought out. Journalists and people might have noticed it and they might, I'm sure it's on their radar by now. But at this point, it's probably too late and they don't want to go back on what they already said. And again, who knows? It may have been by design. I mean, maybe they, again, are trying to prioritize people that had tickets because if you had a ticket at any point for last year, Disney has extended it through the end of 2021. So maybe they're trying to get through those people first. Uh, So, you know, I think by the time the 15th opens up, probably April 30th, it's probably gonna be pretty close to book. I mean, they're only at, you know, 25% capacity. So it's probably gonna book up pretty quick. But yeah, it is kind of interesting how they're doing this. Ticket prices will remain unchanged from their 2020 rate. So Disneyland uses a, a five-tier system. So the ticket prices range from 104 to $139. And that's per day for single park. So park hopper, multi-park, 
all goes up from there. It was actually like the most confusing price chart I've ever seen <laughs> because there's like 15 different options on there depending if you have single day, two day, three day, if you do park hopper, if you do one park, two parks, multi parks, depending on if it's tier one, two, three, four, five, there's like all these different prices. It's it's a pretty crazy matrix for it. But I, I think it's nice that Disney at least held prices steady, at least to begin with. Now I, I yeah, do I was think say, yeah. they're probably gonna raise at some point this year because we're gonna talk a little bit about the Avengers campus opening, but I think once that rolls in you know, ticket prices are definitely going to increase. Just to play the devil's advocate here, it's almost kind of a shame that their prices aren't even lower because there's a ton of rides that aren't opening with the park. So, you know, some, and they're, some of, they're not just like little rides. They're some of the most famous rides. Like if we went, if we had the opportunity to go, cause we don't live in California, so we don't, but if we did like the Matterhorn is closed. So, yeah, so let, let's talk about some of the rides that aren't going to be open. Now, I will say Disney World did the same thing. I mean, when they reopened, mm. they, they didn't lower ticket prices. I mean, Disney's not going to lower ticket prices. And, you know, a lot of people said that at Walt Disney World, it's not worth it because you don't have character meet and greets. You don't have, you know, all the restaurants open. You don't have the fireworks shows and everything. But, the, you know, they're still charging the same price. So, you know, it's a similar kind of MO over at Disneyland. Um, again, it's nice they didn't do the annual increase. But yeah, so some of the attractions that will not be open on April 30th, uh, you mentioned the Matterhorn, and that's because it's undergoing a refurbishment. Mm-hmm. Why they couldn't have done that the past year and a half <laughs> that they're closed, that's I don't know. That's a really good point. I, whenever I read these notes, I was like, I never even thought of that. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Cruise is another one that's closed for refurbishment. No, I'm not sure if that is partly because of the overlay that's happening. Now, Walt mm-hmm. Disney World... The Jungle Cruise is still open, so maybe it is a separate mechanical refurbishment. Um, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters is also closed for refurbishment. Um, and then over at DCA, Grizzly River Run is also closed for refurbishment. So all of those are closed because of refurbishment. But in addition to that, the Disneyland Monorail will not be operating. Uh, Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage, which I think if anybody thought that was going to be open, that they were going to let people go yeah. in enclosed submarines yeah. <laughs> in very tight quarters... Um, I think you were kidding yourself. I would not be surprised if that does not open for a long time. I would honestly not be surprised if that is kind of the final nail in the coffin for that attraction. And they clear out a lot of space and put in, you know, a new e-ticket attraction, maybe the new Beauty and the Beast ride, maybe, you know, over at at Disney World, when they took out 20,000 leagues, that's where they put Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. So there's a lot of real estate there. And I think it may be on the chopping block. Uh, once Disney kind of gets back into spending. Yeah, I agreed. So a couple other rides are Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln and the Sleeping Beauty Castle Walkthrough, along with the Storybook Land Canal Boats. Right, and I know you're not missing that one. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm cool with that. Yep, and then over at DCA, besides Grizzly River Run, the Animation Academy is closed for right now. That's sad. Uh, Ariel's Undersea Adventure and the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail. So those are kind of the the big attractions. There are a few other kind of smaller attractions that are closed as well. And then we didn't pull all of the restaurants and everything, but there's a lot of restaurants that are closed. I think even the ones that are open are limited options. I think it's going to take them a while just to kind of bring the supply chain back. I thought you were going to say even the ones that are open are closed. No. <laughs> and I was like, uh, that doesn't make sense, Joe. No, they're limited menus. Again, kind yeah. of like on Disney World where maybe they can't source all of the ingredients 
they have a, a limited menu there. But uh, again, it, it's good news. I think overall that Disneyland is reopening again. It's only for California residents. Not sure how long that's going to last. Um, I, I will say once it is open for non-California residents, I definitely want to go shortly because the other big announcement this week over at Disneyland was that the Avengers campus is going to be opening June 4th. I didn't realize how excited I was for this (laughs) until they announced it. And I got to see some actual photos of it. So uh, Josh DeMauro, who's the chairman of Disney parks had a virtual panel for the media. It was called a special look inside Disney parks and kind of the big thing they announced there was the Avengers campus. So we have an opening date. It is June 4th. It sounds like most of the attractions are going to be open. So you have Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which is an existing attraction, but it's kind of in the heart of the Avengers campus. You're getting the Spider-Man Web Slingers ride. That's it. It's going to be open on June 4th. We also have the Doctor Strange meet and greet slash show where you're visiting the ruins of an ancient sanctum. And on Disney's website, it just says coming soon, whereas Web Slinger says opening June 4th. So I'm not sure if this is maybe not going to be opening on that date. And just because of the interactivity of it and yeah, COVID. I was, yeah, I was thinking meet and greet. Probably they're still trying to see how long till they can open it up. Yeah, but, but this is maybe one of the things I'm most excited about because I think this has the chance to be kind of like a sneak attack favorite. I think everybody's focused on the Spider-Man attraction and the web slingers ride. And I think that's going to be good, but it does kind of seem like it's, it's like an enhanced toy story mania. I think it will depend on how believable it is that you're shooting webs from your hands, you know, how well that 3d works and, and how well that, ride element works all i can picture is the spider-man ride at universal right now like that's what i keep thinking of yeah i think it's going to be kind of similar to that i mean you're in a car driving around but then you're going to be like spider-man and as you make the motion of like spider-man shooting the web it's supposed to look like web is shooting out of your hands and you're trying to catch these uh spider bots that have gone loose so I think that'll be a great attraction, but I think everybody's focused on that. But this this Doctor Strange show... It, Let's just call it The Strange Show. Yeah, the, stra- the Strange Show. So you meet Doctor Strange, but then he basically teaches you magic. And so there's going to be like projection mapping and practical and special effects within this. So it's a meet and greet, but it's an enhanced meet and greet, almost like Enchanted Tales with Belle, where there's like additional story elements and layers to it. And then at night it lights up. There's like a special orb of magic in there that lights up differently at night. So it takes on a whole different look. The photos of it look absolutely beautiful at night. And so I think that really has the opportunity to be something special because you're not, you're not really expecting it, I think to be that great. And I think that's always, you know, when things kind of level up, like I kind of think of when we first went to the wizarding world of Harry Potter and you go into Ollivander's, you're really not sure what to expect there. Oh my goodness. Because that because if, there was never anything like that before. And then whenever you're in there and the wand is choosing the wizard and those special effects. It, it was overwhelming. Yeah, it's something's different happened because you don't expect that at, at a theme park. At least you didn't. And I think this Doctor Strange experience has the opportunity to be something similar to that. And one other thing I wanted to mention about this 
and this may be me reading into things too much, but I think this is a confirmation that we're getting the multiverse very soon in the movies. I mean, I guess Doctor Strange 2 is called the Multiverse of Madness, but I think it's coming <laughs> because on the Disneyland page for this attraction, it says, quote, open your eyes to the mysteries of the multiverse. So part of this attraction is the multiverse, and I don't think Disney would have thrown that in there if they're not going to somehow tie in the multiverse to the movie. So the multiverse is coming. That's all I'm saying. I'm very excited about this. Wow. Did you uh, you know, get your PhD papers to figure that one out? I did. Because, I'm connecting a lot of dots. Well, there. I mean, it's really hard to figure out considering the title there of that movie, but... Yeah, yeah, but I, I think you d- you did overlook the walking Groot animatronic. I mean, that in and of itself is probably my favorite part of that whole thing. Yeah, and that I, I don't think is necessarily going to be in the land right away. So this was part of the panel that Josh Demaro had, where they basically showed that they built a fully animatronic Groot. So it they they did have a a full grown Groot character there over at Disneyland before, but this is. A, I think more like the teenage Groot that is a, a fully automated animatronic. So I think it's kind of in the same vein of what they're eventually trying to do with the droids roaming around Galaxy's Edge. So this was more a demonstration of what could potentially come. I don't know that it's going to be there anytime soon, but we definitely are getting the Spider-Man Stuntronic because that was shown in the official announcement for the opening day where they're going to have an animatronic Spider-Man flying through as part of a stunt show on top of the... Avengers headquarters, oh which, which has the Quinjet there. I forgot about that thing. That's the that's the one that we talked about. Oh my goodness, probably a year or two probably ago. Two years ago. Yeah, when we were talking, and like the video of it is insane. It looks just like a human, but it's yeah, it does acrobatic stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I I really forgot about that until you just mentioned it right, right. now. Right, and so it, it's good that w- they showed it again because that that could have been something that very easily kind of fell on the chopping block. But they showed it in a video, so it, it is kind of confirmed. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited to see this land. And, again, seeing the pictures and seeing the Quinjet sitting right in front of Mission Breakout, it, it really got me really excited to go see this land. And I, I think, yeah, whenever Disneyland opens up and it, it's kind of safe to travel out there, definitely looking forward to going there. I, I'd say within the next year. I mean, we, we definitely are planning a trip to go out to Disneyland because – this Avengers campus looks pretty amazing. Yeah, it does. And the last piece of Disneyland-related news, Don Machow, um, I don't know if that's how you actually say his last name, but he ran from Disneyland to Disney World. Well, this is incredible because he actually ran from coast to coast. Yeah. He ran from Pacific Ocean to Atlantic Ocean, and it just so happened that he ran through Disneyland and Disney World. Well, it mentioned in an article that I read that his friend kind of made that connection and he hadn't even thought about it. And he was like, oh, okay, that would be really cool. So then he ended up doing it. Yeah, but this is absolutely incredible. It was 2,800 miles and he had to run like 32 miles a day. And so he's an, you know, he's an Ironman athlete. He's not somebody that just woke up one day and decided to be Forrest Gump and, and run across <laughs> You know, the country. And, and he's also not, you know, 25 years old. He's 59 years old. So, I mean, this is a major thing. And this is one of the things that, you know, I love about ultra running because that's essentially what almost, I mean, he's running a little bit over a marathon, but a, an ultra marathon is anything over a marathon. So he's running an ultra marathon every day. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing that's really fun about ultra marathons is it's a great level leveler. People can anybody can run you just have to 
be able to put in the time to do it and obviously have health but yeah and i mean this is it's just absolutely amazing that just day after day you can run that much and he did this to raise awareness for type 1 diabetes so he has type 1 diabetes himself and so he wanted to show that type 1 diabetes can't hold you back and to raise awareness for it it is just amazing to to think that like you said you know he's running over a marathon each day and now it took him he he didn't do this consecutively and because of covid so he actually he actually started this in february of 2020 but he made it like 1200 miles i think he made it to around texas when he had a stop because covid hit and i think he got stopped again when he kind of restarted just because of the covid cases right yeah he picked up again and then he had to stop again i think it was like july or something i I can't or no september i think because in uh i think it was mississippi there was an uptick in cases so he couldn't do it anymore then too so he had to shelve it for a little bit right yeah so he had some start starts and stops yeah you know what a slacker yeah i was gonna say i say (laughs) that like like you know it's it's diminishing it but not at all but yeah he he would run that and i think he said he would run like 10 days at a time and then take a break but it's just it's absolutely amazing um whenever he made it to disney world there were cast members there they gave him like a like Mickey ears and they had a special ceremony for him. I think they gave him a Mickey bar. Like he was all excited to have that. It seemed like the most ultimate, uh, race finish that you could possibly have. I mean, he was the only one running the race and then all of these cast members, I mean, it was, there was a crowd of cast members. Everyone was just parted ways. There was a, there was a media crew there for him. They had his own personal photographer waiting for him. Uh, they were handing him like hat, like a, a personalized, hat that was you know like the mickey mouse cap and then it had his name on the back and somebody just came up and took his hat that he already had for him like he had everything he wanted and yeah he wanted a mickey ice cream bar yeah and it it was funny because i think he was like kind of taken aback by it all that they did all this Mm -hmm. because to him he was he wasn't done he still had to go to the atlantic ocean it wasn't (laughs) like he finished you know it wasn't like he got to the castle was like okay i'm done he was going Pacific to Atlantic. So he still had some miles to go. So it was like a nice little interlude to his race right. here. But he seemed a little choked up. If you there, yeah. there are videos on YouTube that you can watch. I definitely would recommend it because it seemed like a, a heartwarming thing to see. So uh, it seemed like there were some guests there as well. And yeah, they made a big deal out of him. And he did say like, he made a comment, you know, you made my day. And it was just, and it's that Disney I mean, magic. He deserves all the credit and all the big deals made yeah. because running 2,800 miles, I don't care how long it takes you, you know, COVID stopped it for a little bit, but <laughs> it's still impressive to run 32 miles a day, day after day after day. So like Dawn, we are going to move from Disneyland to Disney world now because there was a lot of news over at Disney world as well. And, you know, I, I think Disney released a lot of this news because we're getting back to those theme park wars where, Universal Hollywood just reopened mm. and they, they announced the Velocicoaster. So Disney's like, hey, we can't let you steal the news cycle. We have to announce all of our stuff and get, <laughs> get fans excited about us. But, but there's a lot going on over at Disney World this week. And the one thing is that the mask policy is getting relaxed a little bit. And so uh, starting now, I think it was April 8th. So it was last Thursday, I think was the 8th, that... Disney now says that if you are outdoors and stationary and socially distant, you can take your mask off momentarily for photos. I don't know that this is a great idea. I I think 
are they doing it because people aren't buying memory makers and you know they're trying to sell more photos? The cynical me says, yeah, that's probably why they're doing it. But I, I really think this is kind of a slippery slope. And I think it's almost signaling that Disney doesn't really care that much anymore if you're wearing your mask or not, just based on the number of people being vaccinated. Because if you say, okay, it's all right if you take your mask off to take a photo if you're stationary, then you're going to have people taking their masks off, not putting it back on, or they're going to have it off and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I was just taking a photo. And it's going to be so hard for cast members to try to police that. They're already getting enough pushback from people to now have, okay, well, it's okay in certain situations, but not others. I just think this really, it puts the cast members in, in a tough spot. It makes it kind of awkward for people. I think it's, it's better if you just say it's all or nothing. But I do think it's kind of showing that Disney is leaning to relaxing the mask policy. And, and maybe we're going to get sooner than we thought that masks aren't going to be required anymore. I mean, also putting yourself in the cast member's shoes, you got to figure they're going to get so much pushback and then eventually they're going to start. All right. Well, I'm just not going to say anything. And so, it, it, yeah, that's it, it is. You're right. It's, a, it's definitely a slippery slope because it's going to they're going to stop trying to push back and, and stop trying to call it out whenever they see it. Yeah, because if you're walking, and you don't have it on. You just be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I was just taking a photo. You know, you, you, it gives people an excuse not and, to wear it. And, and quite honestly, I mean, there have been so many times. I'm sure this has happened to probably everyone where I've walked up to a store and then realized, oh, whoa, I don't have my mask on. Like, I need to put my mask on. So, I mean, it's not that people are going to maliciously say, oh, like take advantage of it. I mean, there will be people that will do that, but there will also just be people who honestly forget to put it back on. True, and it's still required in all other circumstances. So unless you're completely stationary eating or drinking, you still have to wear your mask for everything. But yeah, I think, I think it's interesting. And I just think it's a look into the mindset of Disney that I I think as they start to relax, it it just starts to mean, Hey, it's not as important maybe anymore. And, And maybe they're testing the waters. Like they're doing this and seeing how people react to it. Do people still follow the rules? Do people, you know, does guest satisfaction go up? You know, because you know, they, they do these surveys too of, and, and they did these a lot before they reopened of what measures do we have to put in place to make you feel safe coming to Disney World? And maybe they're starting to see that masks aren't as important for people anymore because maybe the plexiglass on the attractions and the spacing in the queues is more important than masks. And, and maybe they're, you know, they're kind of playing that. Whether that's good or bad, you know, I don't know. Again, I, I think I would like it if, if you got to wear a mask. I don't know why you have to take it off to take a picture. I just think it's going to, you know, complicate things more, but again, maybe, you know, maybe Disney doesn't mind that as much. Okay, so just, you know, thinking about it from Disney's perspective, I can't I can definitely see in the future if they make you they require you, you know, if you're outside, you can just keep your mask out mask off because you are in an outside area. Now that's gonna be a little tricky whenever that's be even harder. Well it's to gonna do, be yeah. it's gonna be tricky whenever the capacity goes up because then yeah, even though you're outside, if you are crammed in tight, then yeah, then you're you're still gonna be breathing the same air. It's not gonna be um, you know, you it's not like all that air just goes right away. But then the other thing I can see them doing is them saying that whenever you go inside, that's when you do need to put your mask on. And again, with the rate that vaccinations are happening, as more and more people become vaccinated and we get closer and closer to you know herd immunity and things, the masks 
aren't going to be needed. I mean, Disney's already kind of indicated that probably some point in 2022, masks will no longer be required. And, you know, I, I don't think, I never thought, you know, masks were going to be this permanent fixture for the rest of our lives. And so, you know, eventually, eventually they are going to go away and it's going to be weird whenever we don't have to wear them anymore. But it's just a matter of, yeah, when is that, when is that the appropriate time for that to happen? And in Epcot news, Disney announced that this summer, the creation shop is going to be opening over at Epcot. So this is going to be the flagship merchandise store, and it's right next to Club Cool. So Club Cool will be reopening, so you'll be able to try the different sodas throughout the world, including Beverly. Everybody was really excited about that. And the creation shop, Disney in their press release mentioned that it's going to feature a bold, sleek design that creates the perfect showcase for the rich variety of items you'll find at Epcot. And then it's, it has open, bright, welcoming environment with huge glass walls that allow sunlight to pour in to make you feel like you're still in touch with nature when you're indoors. So it sounds like they're going for a very like indoor-outdoor feel here. And it's going to be centered around Mickey. There's going to be there's like a huge Mickey mural in it. There's going to be a lot of additional touches for Mickey. And this is where the old mouse gears was. So I think that's probably like an homage to the old mouse gears as well with Mickey Mouse. But... This looks, I mean, this looks really cool. You know, essentially it is just a big merch store. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's interesting that this is the first thing that's opening as part of the redo is there, you know, they got to make their money back for yeah. what they're spending, you know, to, to redo Epcot here. So they're opening the merch store. So no official date, but sometime this summer. So it looks like we'll actually be getting this before we get Remy. I think this sounds like a really nice store. I'm really excited for the indoor outdoor idea because I am one of those people that when as the second I walk inside a air conditioned building when it's hot outside, I freeze. So I, I think that I will really enjoy, you know, sunlight coming being able to come in and come through and maybe not being super cold. But also another thing that sounds really cool about it is that Mickey is supposed to be kind of all throughout. There's a ton of different representations of him. There's going to be like a mural. There's dynamic murals and artist expressions and, um, you know, just to kind of pay, like pay honor to Mickey and how important he's been. So I, I think that that'll be really cool to see. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it again. No word on like the space 220 restaurant or anything like that in, in the parks panel, um, they did mention that Guardians of the Galaxy and Harmonious are coming soon. I think that's good news that maybe we see Harmonious at some point this year and maybe Guardians, maybe a surprise December opening or, or early next year. So I think that's all, all good news as well. Now, in the least surprising news of the week, <laughs> Mears announced that in January of 2022, they're just going to make their own Magical Express service. So it's called Mears Connect. And it is essentially a replacement kind of verbatim of the Magical Express. So Mears uh, in their news release said, quote, guests can expect scheduled service, luggage handling, convenient airport terminal staging and return trips to the airport, which basically sounds exactly like what they're doing now. And we talked about this whenever we talked about the Magical Express ending that Mears is just going to come up with their own thing. You're going to have right. to pay for it. So there's no pricing yet on how much it's going to cost. But reservations are going to be available in May. So starting in May, if you have a trip starting in January of 2022, you can still schedule a Magical Express experience. It's not going to be called that, but it's probably going to be on the exact same buses. They're just not going to show Disney cartoons on there anymore. And they're not going to be you know, wrapped in Disney characters. But it's going to be 
you know, pretty much the same experience for you. And again, I, I don't know what it costs, but I think, you know, if it's maybe $20 round trip a person, that, that kind of feels like maybe that's the right price, that I, I don't think that that's too expensive, that, you know, a lot of people will will say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go for an Uber because an Uber is probably 30 or $40, you know, one way from the airport. And, you know, definitely we talked about, you know, sp- people traveling with small children and you have car seats. That's an issue with Uber and stuff like that. So I think they can still capture a large market of the audience. And I definitely think, you know, if they keep this going, who knows, in a couple of years, maybe Disney just brings them back on for the Magical Express again if they see a lot of guests are continuing to use this service. Again, the most appealing part of this to me is 100% the lug- luggage handling. Because even if you get your own Uber, you're going to still have to worry about your luggage. So even though it's nice to, okay, you're in a car with just one person, you don't have to be in there with all these other people, they're not going to go get your luggage for you. You're going to have to stay, sit and wait for it. So, Well, you may still have to wait for it. So you know how the Magical Express is, is working now is you do have to get your luggage. Now, they will take it and put it on the bus and things for you and they, they transport it. Oh. So I, I don't know if that will come back where, you know, it magically goes from the airport to your hotel. I think that's more like a TSA thing on that kind of handling of it. Now, maybe Mears is able to do that one way, but like I know the airline check-ins at the Disney hotels are all gone right now. And I think those were TSA agents that work there. So, you know, it may not work going back, but yeah, maybe they can work something out. I, I think that's going to come back again. You know, once we get back post pandemic, I think that was, like you said, a, a really great feature that yeah, they had. And I think, I think that would have to come it'll back. It'll be back very soon, I feel like. And again, you know, maybe it's something that Mears can say, okay, it's, you know, $20 for the ride, but then if you don't want to have to get your luggage, it's $30, you know, and it's, it's an additional upcharge. So that way, you know, if you had. Hey, don't give them ideas. Well, but you know, if you just do carry on, you don't need that. And so you can That's you true. can save a little bit of money and then somebody who, you know, checks their luggage and doesn't want to have to deal with it, you know, pays a little extra and it just magically shows up in the room. Again, you know, that's going to have to be some coordination with Disney, so I'm not sure how that will plays out. I think the luggage handling is more or less just them saying we take it on the bus for you. <laughs> you know, and you don't have to worry about getting it some other way. Just kind of going back to the the Disney Parks panel and finishing up a few things. They did mention the Genie app, which is is oh, good to hear yeah. that that is still being worked on. So again, they kind of talked about that more. No official date yet. You know, the the new Magic Mobile app that is basically putting all the Magic Band functionality on your phone was rolled out recently. So Disney is still working on you know these apps and technology. So you know, they talked about that the Genie app is going to help you plan your entire day. If you know a ride goes down, if something changes, it'll easily be able to kind of readjust your schedule and still make sure you kind of can ride everything you want to do. And I think Disney is definitely still doing this because in the same way they like the park pass reservations because they know how many people are going to be in every park in every day. When you have this genie app, you can disperse the crowds better because, you know, right now and right now there's no fast passes, but when there is fast passes, people could have three a day. And so that helped disperse crowds a little bit. But if you have an app and you say, I want to ride these 10 attractions, and somebody else wants to ride the same 10, you can put them in different order so that that way the lines always stay a half an hour, 45 minutes versus everybody getting in in the morning and running to 
Seven Dwarfs Minecar, and that being a two and a half hour wait, and Pirates of the Caribbean is five minutes for the first two hours of the day, they can kind of readjust those schedules for people or you know, maybe even incentivize them that if they see you know one attraction has a really low wait time, maybe incentivize you with a fast pass or, or rechange your schedule and say, hey, you know, go to Small World now. You know, there's nobody there. And so I think, again, it's just they're going to use technology to better kind of tell operationally where they need cast members, what parks they need them in, but then also rides and attractions. And if they need to take a ride down, it'll be a lot easier if everybody's entire day is being planned by the app versus just, oh, I have a fast pass at 11 and then another one at three. And then, you know, Disney for that four hours has no control over what you do. Yeah, this this is definitely in Disney's vein because they do this a lot. You know, we've talked before extensively about how the boat rides is a they're basically a crowd management kind of ride because they're long and they take a while and you can get a ton of people on them. And so this is another way for Disney to be able to kind of manage those crowds. So I think that all in all, it's going to create a better guest experience. And I think that that is definitely right up their alley. Exactly. I'm pointing at you because you hit it. You hit the nail on the head there and nobody listening can see that I'm pointing at you, but, <laughs> but you're exactly right. It's all about the guest experience. He's still pointing at me, by the way. I am. <laughs> and, and you're right. And, and it's all about them managing expectations. So again, the worst thing that can happen is everybody goes to one attraction and it's a two or three hour wait because then guest satisfaction goes way down because I waited in line all day. I didn't feel like I got to ride as much because I was, and I didn't get my Mickey bar and I'm mad. Exactly. I was, I was always in line. And so if they know 10,000 people all want to ride space mountain and they know space mountain can do a thousand people an hour, they just schedule everybody at a different hour, you know, and, and it, and it really helps manage that crowd. And then I also think fast passes are going to come back and I think they're going to be some sort of paid option. And so I think you're going to see this in the the Genie app as a monetization tool because they're going to figure out a way to make money off of this thing where they're mm-hmm. going to say, okay, you know, you really want to ride Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and it's an hour wait. If you give us $5, we'll give you, you know, a fast pass to Big Thunder Mountain small world and haunted mansion or something like that. And it will save you an hour, an estimated hour and a half of your day. And then they'll be able to almost sell you some fast passes or, you know, maybe you can pay a little extra to get a reservation same day at a restaurant because you didn't make your reservation six months ahead of time because you didn't know what you were going to eat on that day, you know? And they're going to have a really cute little genie cartoon that's going to pop up on your screen and he's going to point at the wait times and they're going to poof with like pink or blue smoke oh. around them and they're going to change for you and become Disney, far less. Disney, if you're listening. You're welcome. Yes. Great idea. That, so. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see when this comes out again. No date on it, but looks like they're still working on it. So maybe some point this year. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see when it comes out, how it works, and then two, how soon it is until they start charging you for some portion of it knowing disney not very long <laughs> yeah i think it'll, I think it'll be pretty quick all right and then in probably the most surprising news of the week and we'll end on this at the end of the parks panel josh demar pulled out a working <laughs> lightsaber and the internet is kind of losing its mind over this so this was all done virtually but the press was told they can't record it they can't take any screenshots so there's like no footage of it out there 
But essentially, what everybody's reporting on... I say Pixar, it's not real. (laughs) But what all the sites are reporting on is that at the very end, uh, Josh Tomorrow pulled out a lightsaber and then turned it on and it actually extended like an actual lightsaber does. And it was a very quick kind of blink if you miss it thing. And he said... Yeah, it's real. Like because with a video you could very easily like CGI it or something like that, but he said no, it's real. And there actually is a patent that Disney filed a few years ago that talked about a retractable lightsaber and essentially how it looks like it works is within the hilt is the blade. And so when you turn it on, it extends from the hilt. So it's not like the lightsabers at Savi's workshop where it's a hard piece of plastic. A very hard piece of plastic, as we learned. Yes, we are learning that. We are working on a video to test the durability of the lightsabers, and they are proving to be extremely more durable than we ever expected. So definitely be sure to look out for that video coming soon over on our YouTube channel. We're Enchanted Ears over on YouTube. So go subscribe, hit the bell to be notified so you know when that video comes out in a few weeks. But yeah, so it's not detachable like that, but it's actually built in. And so it looks like an actual lightsaber. So people were pretty excited about this. Again, it was kind of a demonstration of the potential technology Disney could use. It's not like it's something that they're ready to roll into the parks. I don't think this is going to be something that like replaces Savvy's. I think that they're going to either use this for two reasons. One, some sort of stunt show where you, know, you have Rey and Kylo Ren or Jedi and Sith fighting to make it look more realistic. You know, mm-hmm. because it looks like a real lightsaber. But I also think the other place that this is probably going to show up is the hotel. Because when you're going to be paying the thousands of dollars that are rumored to stay there, and they are going to have a lightsaber experience, you're going to want something that like blows your mind. And so mm-hmm. I think having an actual lightsaber in the lightsaber training makes a whole lot of sense. So I, I do think this is something that's going to be much more higher end and used yeah, in, in some sort of you know, stunt show or in the hotel. I, I don't think this is going to be, you know, they're going to sell these things at Savi's workshop. Maybe they do. I mean, maybe eventually like the replica lightsabers become like this or something. But I think for me, I, I just don't actually see that. I think this is going to be Again, it'd be another selling point. It's a po- premium yeah, thing. It'd be another selling point for the hotel. Oh, you want this fancy lightsaber? You got to stay at the hotel to get this. Yeah, it's it's a medal of honor of sorts. So yeah, I think that you're right there. I, I think there's going to be, it's going to be a while before they're commercially selling them, but at least at first, some of the, the people who are walking around who are part of that experience would have these lightsabers so that you can at least see them and see them in action. Yeah, and it might even be that you can't take it with you, that it's just for that training experience. So they have, you know, maybe 10 of them or something that they use for the training experience, and you use it. And it's almost better if they don't let people take it out because then it's like, it just becomes like a whisper. It becomes like, oh my gosh, you, you have to see this thing. Like, it is absolutely incredible. And you just won't, you won't believe it. You know, because people film everything, but I think within the Galactic Star Cruiser, the hotel, you know, I've kind of thought about this. Like when it opens, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to go and video the whole thing. And because that's just how everything works. Every time there's new attractions, I almost wonder if they're going to let you do that because it is such a lockdown. It's a two day thing. No, obviously they can't tell you, Hey, you can't use your phones and things like that. But I, I do wonder if they're going to say like when you're in these, 
shows and when you're in the gameplay that they're going to say, please, no recording. Because when you only have 100 people and you know maybe you're in small groups of like 10 or 15, it's going to be very easy to tell if somebody's just standing there with like a camera it's on, like it's on, gonna be a like gimbal. a I think it's gonna be like a Broadway show where it's just yeah you know we ask that you don't yeah I think you're a hundred percent right they ask that you don't record any of it yeah because there, there, there's really two schools of thought is one you let people record it and you put it out there on the internet and people love it and want to go experience it for themselves or two you don't let anybody record it and it's so incredible that just word of mouth is like you have to go experience it and the only way you're gonna see it is is being there yourself so i'm kind of curious to see how disney handles this but if there's any place that they can say you can't film this it's going to be in that hotel because again it'll be you'll stand out if you're walking around with the camera the whole time and again maybe they let you film some of the common areas but i i do kind of just i feel like with the gameplay and some of the the more kind of special areas of it I feel like they're going to want to prevent you from like in your room. They can't stop you. You can film your room all day, but I think some of that, some of that stuff, some of the surprises they're, they're going to want to prevent you from doing that. Yeah. I feel like this, I mean, club 33 is definitely, you know, a thing in its own and you're not really even supposed to tell anybody, but I think it's going to be a a club 33 esque experience. That's a good point. You can't take any photos in club 33 or any videos. That that's a good point. You're not supposed to to tell people if you're a member, all that stuff. Yeah. So there, there are some areas like that. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting. And again, we didn't get any news on galactic star cruiser hotel. Um, but just that, yeah, Disney's got a working lightsaber. At least yeah, one we of can, them. Yeah, we can make some assumptions at, at this least, point. At least one working lightsaber. But yeah, so but it remains to be seen whenever you know reservations and things will will be available. Maybe for they'll the maybe they'll go on Shark Tank now. You know, this is my prototype. Now I have one. Can you help me mass produce these? I don't think Disney needs <laughs> Shark Tank help. Oh, I know. But is that two weeks in a row we've talked about Shark Tank? Did we talk about it last week? I think yeah. I mentioned Kevin O'Leary last week. Oh, why did we talk about Kevin O'Leary? Yeah, so I don't even I, remember. I talked about Kevin O'Leary last week, Shark Tank this week. I think I said Mr. Wonderful. I remember that now. We're going to see how long we can keep this going. This is going to be a running <laughs> thing. Keep it, keep count of it. So. All right, but that wraps up. Again, a ton of news this week. It, it kind of felt like the good old days, and it felt good just for a couple days. Just be like, wow, look at all this news. There's exciting stuff coming. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're worried, like, is Disney going to stop doing new stuff and building new lands and they're not, there's still a lot coming. So it's very exciting. It will be exciting, you know, especially next year as we move into the 50th anniversary for Walt Disney world, Disneyland will be kind of fully open again. It'll be, you know, safer to travel and, and, and it will just be, I think good just kind of overall, just to get back into worrying about the theme park wars versus the global (laughs) pandemic that has been, you know, kind of front of mind Reeking for the past havoc. year. Yeah, exactly. So I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you haven't already subscribed, please do leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us reach a larger audience. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.